Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast on the internet, because I feel you need to hear my voice every single week. And we've got a great one for you. But first off, we got to talk about the wonderful sponsor, Go Fast, Don't Suck. They make awesome banners, dry fire decals for when you're traveling, um, and memes that are hurtful and true on the internet. But without further ado, let's talk to the man that I brought back onto the podcast, my good friend, my coach, Mr. Tom Castro. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, you know, it's it's a good and no, it's beginning of November. It's, I thought it was still October. No, it's November now. <laughs> Where's the year gone, brother? Uh, I know mine's gone in traveling. <laughs> I spent my ass in an airplane most of the most of the uh, year. So I'll tell you that that's been kind of a that's been a little crazy and lots of traveling this year. So I'm well, I'm not too upset that it's winding down. I will will, not, will admit that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just think about all the hours you spent sleeping on an airplane. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I guess I do sleep quite a bit on airplane. I, I try to do direct flights, so I don't have a whole lot of layover stuff. Um, you know, when you fly enough, you learn your lesson real quick that once you're on the plane, they usually don't stop it or turn it around. Um, it's when you get off the plane that it's hard to get back on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's for sure. I've got some flights coming up and I'm not looking forward to them too much. So. Are you uh vacation or work? Uh, they're work trips. Yeah, those are even those. So I love my job, so I don't mind the travel part. I just. It's usually the people that you have to travel with that are really terrible, you know, like sit down, shut up, get in the plane. It's the same thing every time, you know, so, it, you know, I've been pretty fortunate, though, that I sit next to pretty good people. I guess I just look intimidating, like don't sit next to me if you're going to be a dick. <laughs> so I haven't had any drama, no videos on, you know, I haven't been kicked off a plane because I told some ladies shut up and sit down or anything. So that's been good. Oh. Well, you're not the guy who's got the neck pillow and like the anger and the angry look and like just like uh wear a hoodie over his face with the sunglasses and a big ass hat so you can't see my face. Yeah, no, I don't I don't usually do that. So No. Uh, I'm pretty happy, man. I like I love what I do for a living. So to travel is not a negative. Um and I've learned how to kind of pace it out. You know, I try not to I try not to do uh every two days being on a plane. So I try to come home, spend some time with the family in between and then, you know, go do my thing. Right. Three days home, maybe, and then flip it around and leave again. Yeah, the, hard, the hardest thing this year for me was the matches. Um, I had to – so last year in 2022, I really screwed myself with training because I worked all the way up till Carry Optics Nationals last year um, in 2022, and it, uh, it really screwed me big time because when I got to that match, I was just toast. My legs were dead. My body was dead. Mentally, just physically, just toast. And uh, so I promised myself this year that I would give myself a break for myself, um, not so much for like the the mental part, because, you know, I, I'm pretty mentally strong when it comes to shooting and all this stuff. But I wanted to give myself a two week break before I shot a, a big match. So like just to be physically ready. So I would still work out and train and do all those things. But the way most of my classes go, it's 20 hours on the range. So it's 10 some of them are more. I mean, I think in Michigan, the one we did was 24 hours on the range of shooting. So uh, two 12 hour days. So again, it's like I put in as much as I can into these classes. So I just wasn't, I didn't understand that that beat me up as bad as it did. 
So I learned a very valuable lesson last year trying to spread these out. So this year, I gave myself two weeks before the big match, um, and that worked out absolutely perfectly. I was able to come home, rest, and then train. Um, and then the last week before I, I went to the match, I really trained my butt off, and it's, it's working out pretty good this year. Mm -hmm. And you've even still had yourself big breakthroughs this year, coming away from classes and then training and heading into major matches. I am by far the best version of myself that I've ever been in this sport right now. Like I cannot, I can't believe where I'm at right now as a shooter. I didn't, it's, it's interesting as a coach, you know, you watch other people all the time and you, and you, you know, your goal is obviously to get them better, but you, you kind of sometimes forget, you know, when you're watching their breakthroughs, you're having breakthroughs. And it's it's kind of weird. It's not just it's not just a physical thing. Sometimes it's a oh, I don't think I've ever explained it to anybody like that before. And then it's like oh, I just explained it to myself at the same time <laughs> differently, and I even understand the concept even more now. So it's one of those things where it's like the more I talk about shooting, is the more I discover how to express it in a simpler way. Um, I've had some students recently come to me and, and ask me some questions about things that a lot of other coaches talk about. And I just dumbify them. I, I simplify them. And they're just like, that seems so easy. And I go, okay, try it. And they're like, it's really that simple. And I go, yeah, it doesn't need a special name. It doesn't, it's literally this, like, it's just, you know, I, I just simplified it for myself. It's not that I changed it or I, there are some things that I feel like I do completely different. But it's still the same concepts of trigger sights, sights, trigger. It's just the way I express them and, and how I make them more important in my in my shooting or even in my coaching. Um, and that's, that's you know, big, giant breakthroughs because before I was like, oh, yeah, sure, trigger prep, perfect, whatever. <laughs> and then I realized, like, oh, I can use this and put something physical to an actual action and put my brain on that and, and oh, you mean if I pull this and the gun lifts, I can already leave the target? Oh, that makes sense. So there's just a lot of things, like little things that I've discovered this year that were giant breakthroughs. Because let's be honest, when you get to the level where I'm at, where you're trying to beat the best guys in the world, I don't have full seconds anymore. I have mm -hmm. quarters. I have point one zeros. Hell, if I get a quarter of a second, that's a huge breakthrough. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's uh, It's very rare that you find that as a as a shooter, you know, at this level, not, not as a shooter, but at this level. Right. 100%. Like, yeah, you, you're fighting the top guys, you know, you're, you, I, you can finally probably believe to yourself that you are a super squad level shooter, even though you, uh, it was hard for you last year to actually come to the realization that you are a super <laughs> squad level. It's crazy. It, it's definitely something that I'm, I'm very proud of, dude. I don't say that very much about things that I do, but I'm very, very proud of where I came from in the last five years. And last year to this year was big. I mean, it's, this year was a big, big, big thing for me to compete against the best shooters. I've traveled more than I've ever traveled before. I went to almost every area match. I still have an area match left. I have an area two left coming up next week. Um, and, you know, I finally beat some of the guys that I've been struggling with. <laughs> mm -hmm. And... Uh, and it all, and it, you know, it's funny because I, I really understood after PCC Nationals, I am so glad, and I never thought I'd say this out loud, but I am so glad I got my ass kicked at that match. I really am. It, it made a huge difference for me in my training. Like, just understanding, like, I talked to Max Lee Agronis at that match, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, 
like, what, what's wrong with my shooting? What do you think? He goes, dude, your shooting's fine. You just got to stop doing dumb shit. And it's, it's like, you know, that's obviously simply said, but I looked at him and I was like, yeah, you're right. I got to stop doing dumb shit. Right. Like, so it's one of those things where I just, I went back and kind of tore down my mental focus at a match and, um, realized that I was not, not completely focused before every stage. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I had to change some stuff. And in the last two matches I shot between limited optics and the, the Texas match that I just shot, it was a completely different shooter in those two matches. I mean, I was completely, and I said, okay, I belong here. I understand. I understand why I'm losing matches now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the mental, it's the mental side. It's, it's cause you, you know how to pull a trigger. You know what to see, you know what your vision is, you know what athleticism you need to participate in the sport. It's just that mental shit, right? Well, so the mental shit goes into shooting beyond just being prepared. Like, I don't think a lot of people understand, like, one of the things that was a big breakthrough this year for me was vision, understanding how important vision was. And I always told people, you know, vision, visual focus. But it's a different world when you actually understand that vision leads the way for everything. Your entries, your exits, uh, finding a spot on the ground, that goes into movement. It has nothing to do with your gun. Mm -hmm. And it's so crucial to find that spot but most people don't don't think of it that way transitions moving your gun around uh the reason my accuracy has quadrupled this year because i am focusing on the vision i'm already a fast shooter so what is it that was keeping me from being at the top level it was my accuracy i would shoot really fast and i would i i'd have great hits every once in a while but i'd always have that one stage i'd have great hits throughout the whole match and i have this one stage where i'd get seven eight charlies and it would just like what the hell went happened there like what was that one and i would always go back and i couldn't figure it out and then i was like all right i need to f- go back more into the details and start understanding that the faster the faster i go physically the slower i get with my eyes so I needed to understand that pace of what my eyes would allow me to shoot and what my body, my body can always go faster than my eyes can see it. So I had to understand to allow that timing to come to me instead of vice versa. Um, these nationals, the last two or three nationals that we shot this year were all stop and shoot. Um, I know a lot of people think PCC and open nationals was a ton of movement, but it was. We just ran 40, 50 yards. <laughs> we didn't run, move and shoot a whole lot. So that I came into those matches prepared to stop and shoot. And that made a huge difference in my shooting because I stopped trying to make the match fit me and I fit the match. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times or it comes up a lot, you know, that nationals is a stop and shoot match and it's, it's never going to be shoot on the move. It seems like it's always going to be, it's just the style of what we deal with at nationals. Um, but you, you know, you excel at, you know, your vision, your focus, you're, you're running to the spot. And you're getting there with rule one and two in mind and yep. destroying those position. You're attacking those targets instead of the position either. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things like, man, I, I like this class I did, I just had a class here in Florida and, um, we spend our first, my first day of my, of my class is a little different than most. I, I, the first thing we do is shoot the stage to see what everybody is as a shooter. And then I break down the stage and I explain my philosophy of how we, how I shoot stages and so on and so forth. And I, there was something that I discovered this year that I was doing, but I didn't know, I didn't even understand how important it was. And I called it the crash. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's at the point where you run to 
where you start to jam on the brakes and allow the gun to do the bounce and then you just walk into the position and when i discovered how to express that and how important that was my shooting changed and my speed changed i got way faster than i because it, it felt slower though and like it really really feels absolutely terrible but i got way faster because of it because now i was like oh I can shoot sooner here if the gun is calm, but I used to just jam myself into a corner as fast as I could and go, ah, and then start shooting. I'm like, well, the gun's up, but when I'd get there, the gun was bouncing all over the place. So I'd end up getting Charlie's or, or bad hits or whatever it is. And, um, so once I understood the crash, but it's funny because I, you know, I understand the crash and in the class that has taken a huge time from my class in a positive way this year. I think I had a video I just posted, um, I think a couple of days ago on my Instagram and Facebook page that it was a three or five minute video of me talking about, you know, entering the position and understanding the pace of your feet. So that's a five minute video. And that turned into an entire day of students going, God, I got to fix this. This, I do this on every stage. And that was the goal. It's not the stage victory at the class. It's that this is in every stage we do. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge breakthrough in my classes. And I, I brought it into my class because I, I, I saw a student really screwing it up and I brought it up and it became a lesson that I brought into the class because it made such big breakthroughs with the entire group. Mm -hmm. 100%. I mean, as anyone knows, um, they should know by following any of my social media, I took your class, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a master member circle member. Um, not because, uh, you know, I enjoy giving you money, but you are my friend. So I do give you money. <laughs> not that I expect that I give you money. So you're my friend. It's the other way around. <laughs> you're my friend. So I give you money, but, um, no, the, the crash was huge, at least, especially in the class that I took, right. You, you know, you broke it down and people under started to made it sense and click. Yeah. I mean, not, nor did anyone perform it 100% perfectly or implement it 100% because you're not going to in a class. Yep. You're, you're there to learn. To. You're learn yeah. the, learn the yeah. new techniques. Um, I mean, we've seen in my, in that, and even in the class that I took, um, I, I don't want to be cocky, but I am pretty proud. I, I was the best shooter in that class other than you. I mean, <laughs> I was, I was the best student of the day or of right. the weekend. So, um, well, besides that, I did get extra, like another 20 hours of Tom time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those after those after class dinners, I don't think people understand how beneficial they are. If you go to those dinners, because, uh, I talk about shooting the entire time we're there and it's, it gives me an opportunity to talk about things I can't talk about in class because my class isn't a talking class. My class is a shooting class. So if you don't, if we sit down at class during lunch, that's fine. We talk, but we never dive fully into the stuff because we got to get back to work. We're there to put work in. You know, I want I want to me, when you go to a class, you go to a class to shoot. Not you don't have to shoot thousands of rounds, but you're there to be in front of that instructor. And if you aren't being visually looked at, how do you how do you actually know what you're doing wrong? You're just shooting rounds. It's that to me is not why I would go to a class. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're, you 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 said you sat down bullshit. You didn't sit down at all, by the way. You sat down at the very last twenty minutes of class on a cooler. You wouldn't <laughs> sit down. Well, you guys ruined that. So what I started doing at the end of my class now is my, my second day usually ends around three thirty four o'clock, um, for me. And then what I do is I sit back and I watch you as a shooter, shoot the, shoot the stage. And then you come and give me a report of the things that you made mistakes on. Well, that class was so jacked up and motivated and cheering for each other 
that I kept coaching and never stopped. So I didn't really get much of a chance to kind of let anybody report to me. They just kept coming over and like, I did this, this, and all right, like, no, get back out there and go do it again and fix it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. so that was a great class, man. Mm-hmm. Well, and even, even if we talk about this, I, I would almost think, you know, we spent a thousand rounds in this class when we took it. Um, you probably had people um, in other classes shoot more or less, but honestly, I, I'd hate to say it, Tom, is you need to have less students and more rounds because we like you yeah. could have so many more rep like even if we got rid of two people three right. people all the more reps you could get and the more focused every student could be um you do get the diminishing returns right you gotta you've got to have enough people to make it financially feasible to come and teach a class but even the quality could be turned up twenty thousand percent because i got to go shoot 1500 rounds and they were all focused rounds Right. Um, and if you if if your hands aren't calloused up before you take a Tom Caster class, you're fucked. Because, <laughs> dude, like I popped, I had so many blisters and they popped throughout the weekend. I was like, I have to invest in tape. I'm not gonna lie, man. The guys in this class in Florida, mm-hmm. I could have made some money off some tape. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they were all like, I never shoot this many rounds at the same. And I was like, well, what do you usually go out and practice with? And they're like two or three hundred rounds, and so you just know they're not shooting as much as I do, obviously. But it's just funny because I go out and can shoot a thousand rounds in two hours easily, and not even know that I shot that many rounds. And it's and because when I practice, I'm there to shoot, right? I I'm working, I'm working, working, working. The uh, I guess there's there's so many different levels to our sport that it it, it breaks down to. It breaks down to what are you working on? What is your money worth, right? Like, what are you trying to put your money into? That That's always the big thing for me is what are you, like, I made a big mistake when I first started and dumped a shit ton of money into rounds. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, man, I got to get 20 years of experience to catch up to these guys in five days. <laughs> you know, like once a week, I gotta, I'm going to catch up to these guys and I'm going to cut my time in half. And I will say, bullets help. If you shoot a lot of bullets, they 1 million percent will make you better. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a direction, you're just wasting bullets. Right. Yeah, you're just doing the ballistic masturbation and yeah. it, it, you're, you're wasting time and money. And, and, you know, we don't get more time, right? We can always make more money. We don't get more time. Yeah. Uh, that's the truth. And that's the problem is, you know, what's your goal? Like I, I was an older shooter. I, when I came in, I was 38 years old. Right. So, I mean, I had, <laughs> I was way behind. These guys are starting at 12, 13 years old. Hell, even the guys that started 23, I couldn't afford the sport when I was in my 20s. I know that for sure. Not as much as I want to shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't want, you don't want to sacrifice on how much you shoot because you need it at your level. Like you're always grinding. Like you're, you're out there doing private lessons in your own shooting, what, probably th- two, three days a week at least. Yeah. There's times when I actually will, um, it also depends on the student, but I will sneak in a little practice when my student is reloading. So mm-hmm. if I have a if I have a four hour class, which my average class is four hours for private lessons, um, I will I'll jump out there and I'll I'll run some of the same stage that they're running. And one of the reasons I like to do that as well is it gives them an opportunity to see their time versus my time. Um, I I used to never shoot in my class. I used to not shoot at my class at all, except for just examples here and there. Um, but I would never, I would only shoot the stage one time at the most. And now, um, I've had every single class I've had every single time I was like, Oh, you know, you, you guys want me to shoot it. They always want me to shoot it after they've shot or whatever. And I realized like, because then they can gauge what I do versus them. And I never really thought about it when I was, 
when I first started, I used to do that. Um, and then it, it didn't last for long because there wasn't a lot of guys as good as me anymore. So it, it did, it just didn't last long for where my club was. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big video person, right? I used to video a lot when I first started. I didn't understand how to break them down, <laughs> but I videoed a lot. And then I started understanding like how to break things down and what my, what my problems were and all those different things. So, but yeah, it was, uh, you see it a lot, man. You see it a lot with, with, with guys that come to classes. They don't really have a clue mm -hmm. <laughs> why they're, why they're not good. Right. Or what they want to work on. Right. Well, and even you, you shot at Michigan, you shot at least 800 rounds. Yeah, I shot a thousand rounds there, dude. Yeah. I shot almost the entire box. I think I had maybe two magazines left, and I even gave some of that away for people to try them so they could use them. Mm -hmm. So, because they needed to try, they wanted them to try outdoor dynamics ammo because well, they had they were having problems with their other ammo. Yeah. Well, so, if you think about it too, it's like you wouldn't be able to to train and teach like you do without John. You know, John saves you so much time and hassle that they just yeah, ship you a box. Uh, he, this year, I. Um, he crushed it for me this year. So I, I called him up earlier in the year and I was like, look, dude, I, I have three or four months here straight of travel. Um, I, I'm tired of coming home, working on brass, trying to, to reload during this four months. Um, I am super fortunate to, to um, be sponsored by Mark seven. And I have two of their presses and listen, you cannot get a better press but you still got to have time to push the button. <laughs> you got to have time to put the proponents in there, components and all that stuff in there. Um, yeah. So John saved my tail this year. So I've been also fortunate enough that when I have my classes, John will mail it to where I'm going. So that has been a huge thing. I don't have to worry about bringing it in my bags. Um, it's not always fun carrying a thousand rounds on a plane. It's, you know, there's mm -hmm. ways around it. You don't really have to deal with them if you don't put it in the gun bag or whatever, but and you don't even have to tell them, you know, TSA doesn't care. It's, it's the airlines that are the problems, but yeah, they're the hundred percent the problems on that. But, um, but mm -hmm. Tom, so, you know, there's shooters, as we said already, there's shooters of all different levels and what they want out of this sport. So why, what's a reason why they should take a class? Oh man, I, I would say the number one reason to take a class. Well, I have a whole list here actually of things to why you would take a class. So this will actually probably hit on just about every shooter. So I'll give a I'll, I'll give one thing, kind of go into it, and then we'll then we'll hit the next thing because there's there's a lot to it. Um, the first thing I would say is most people need another set of eyes. Always need another set of eyes. It's they end up and this kind of combos with another thing that I that I had written down is most people get stuck. Um, and when they get stuck, they need that other set of eyes to tell them what they're doing wrong. That mm -hmm. that's the biggest that would to me is the biggest reason why most people need a class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100 percent like and most people aren't fortunate to have a shooting partner to actually who's actually worth a shit to tell them what they're doing wrong. And usually they don't know what they're looking at either. So you, they definitely need the second set of eyes, but plateaus, plateaus suck, right? Yeah. You get to, a, I mean, you, you've experienced them. I mean, your plateaus <laughs> yeah. are probably smaller than most, but yeah. you still get a plateau, right? You hit the spot and you're like, you know, I'm doing everything right, but why am I not getting any better? Yeah. Let's, let's jump into the shooting partner thing. Cause I, that's something that, um, so I made a post uh, this weekend or this just actually today on a um, on a, a Facebook app or a Facebook page that um, that's a competitor page. And I asked 
Like, I'm super interested in how people are judging their, you know, progress. You know, it's funny. We were going to do this podcast. We we're going to talk about, you know, taking a class and all this stuff. So I wanted to ask what their, why they, or how they judge their progress. And a lot of people would say, oh, I am lucky and I grabbed onto a guy that's better than me. So I listen to him and I follow what he says or whatever. That doesn't mean that's right. Um, I can tell you when I first started, there were people that told me things that if I would have taken that to heart and followed, I'd still suck. Um, I will tell you the first thing I was told, and it lasted for probably two years before everybody realized that they were never going to get it to happen. Uh, slow down and get your hits was the first thing I heard. And the last thing I heard was the last piece of advice that somebody ever gave me that I really didn't need from that person. <laughs> and I had only one guy that kept telling me, dude, don't listen to him. It'll slow down. It'll slow down. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. And I never slowed down and I still don't slow down. Right? I just, I folk, I know where to control and, and not control the speed, right? So if you're running, it's full speed. If you're coming in on a shot, it's time to start control. Uh, it's just the training partner thing can really hold you back. Um, mm -hmm. It can really, really, really hold you back, but it can also get you to a certain point. So I would say the biggest thing about a training partner, guys, is to understand when you are passing them. <laughs> that mm -hmm. would be the first thing. You got to understand that some of your training partners can only take you so far, and then it's time to let them go. So I, a good example is I'll give you just me as an example. There are guys that I have shot with or shot against for five years now they are still exactly the same shooter they were the day i met them if i would have continued on with their training program or their mindset i would never be even close to where i am right now so again you have to understand what that training partner's value is my big thing is you better find out and have that hardcore conversation like hey what are your aspirations in this sport? Because Tom's aspirations in this sport were always to be a national champion and be one of the best shooters, the best shooter in the sport. Most everybody that I met don't follow what I want to do. <laughs> so right, yeah. you got to watch your training partners. Mm -hmm. 100%. As you mentioned, you know, they, you need to know what they want out of the sport. Most people in this sport, they do this as a hobby. This is for fun they're not there to necessarily win 100 like and i think if you find someone you know if you have the drive to win you must exploit every opportunity to your ability to get better yep and, and and that's what a class does right it lets you get in front of a top level shooter or, or just you know a top level instructor and get broken down beaten up to shit and be like hey i'm gonna break you down but i'm gonna fix you in the end of this yeah my, so my big thing about a class, and I say this a lot to my students, um, uh, Michigan class was a great example, okay? Um, the class I just did in Florida, most people know each other that go to these classes, right? Michigan was big. A lot of those guys came from Illinois, uh, mm -hmm. Illinois, Illinois, a lot, a couple of them were women. And mm -hmm. I told all of them, do you all shoot together? And they said, yes. I said, good you are responsible for this person this person's responsible for this person you all know what i'm talking about there's zero reason that any of you should be slacking off at this point 
And if you see that person not doing what they're supposed to, it's your job to get on them. They created their own little training group because they always shoot together and they came to the same class. So now there's zero excuse for, for someone not understanding what they're doing because they have someone there that can tell them or hopefully, you know, be like, oh, I saw that. And a lot of the times as a shooter, it's easier to see it than it is to do it, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to say, oh man, you do this, this, and this but then I can't go out there and physically do it, right? There's a lot of people that can do that. So some, you gotta listen to them, especially if they're in your, they, they're in the same training class that you were in. That's that's so, I cannot tell you, taking it with a buddy who has the same mindset sure does help because you're gonna go out of that class so motivated and jacked up to, to put the work in that it'd be very, very hard not to instantly get better. 100%. Mm -hmm. Now, even myself, like, um, I've shot a couple times with Ricky after the class and I'm like, why'd you do that? What, what, what messed up here? What, what, what went, went down? You got to tell me yep. why. And it's helpful for me. And then I tell him what I see, you know, yep. because there's always the distortion of what does the brain think it sees right. and what actually the fuck happened. Yeah. And one of the best things about Ricky is that guy wants it. Like mm -hmm. he, at the end of the class, like he was like, he, I, he looked like if it wasn't for him having to leave, he right. was like, I'm ready to shoot some more. Like he wants it. You can tell he wanted it. I mean, he put the investment in, you know, he spent the money, he came to the class, he put the hours in, he was there. I mean, that, most of that, that class was just top notch, man. Those, everybody wanted to be there. And, and, and most of my classes, I would say that I have a, every class I have at least one person that can't handle the pace, <laughs> right? Um, it, it's almost every, almost every class, there's one person that can't handle the pace that I put them in. And I'm like, guys, this is how I train. Like I train intense like this. I'm like when I shoot practice matches or stages or I go to locals, I treat them like I'm trying to shoot a major. I, I, I don't know any way to gain experience other than to put yourself in that, in that situation. Like you mm -hmm. can't just go out there and go, cool, man, I'm just going to go out here and just smoothly move my gun around. I'm like, well, if you want to move your gun fast at the match, you probably need to practice fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and it's just, you can't, slack off ever on those things if you're trying to get better or 100 right? no off no day off on that like right you're and like you go right and then especially like that wide transition from the right target to the steel everyone was doing that rainbow bounce yes. the bounce what would you call who who, yeah. who coins this phrase i think it's a jj phrase but it's like a bump mm. transition right yeah yeah and you're so just the like bump transitions exactly what you're doing but the difference is, is you're not holding the gun down, right? So you're doing a bump transition, but you're allowing the gun to just float and you're not really trying to control the gun. Mm -hmm. JJ doesn't teach that. He controls a bump transition, which for him, what he's considering the bump is the gun go lifts and then you just move it over. So the bump is where it just lifts up in the, you know, on the recoil, which it does for everybody. Um, right. But he definitely doesn't want you to let the gun rainbow. <laughs> he wants right. straight lines, and, and I, I'm the same way. Everything straight lines as much as possible. Running, all, everything you can do to go straight lines is always faster than curving and rounding things off usually. Oh, 100%. Like, just like the video you posted today. Today's 11-3, so you just posted a video about one and exit, right? Yep. Like, that's so cute. Like, I mean, a lot of people do one, two, and it returns again before they yep. move the gun. Three right. sight pickers. <laughs> it saves you, like, I don't yep. care. Like, well, I don't know. And you probably see this more than me. People checking their work on targets. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like you're losing massive time. Like, they're like, yeah. I don't know how I run fast as you. I shoot kind of fast as you. Yeah, but you're spending th 0.3 of a second staring at the target still. Yeah. Fucking shoot the next one. Yeah. I had a, I had a video I posted the day before this one. I guess it was 11-2. 
and uh, a guy miss a piece of steel, and I, I you know, I, I got him. I, I hit him hard on the stage because I was like, what are you doing? So he misses the steel, and as he's reloading, he's looking backwards like this at the steel like, oh, man, I missed that, as he's running <laughs> to the next 100 points available, and he just bombed the front, and I'm like, uh, what are you doing? He's like, I did that. Exactly. I go, I see everything, dude. You ain't getting around me. I'm I pay attention to everything you guys do. Mm -hmm. I had a guy in the class come up and this is, this goes perfect with another set of eyes. Mm -hmm. I had a guy, uh, in the class that only had two magazines on in during a stage run. And I looked at him and I said, okay, so I let him shoot and he shot the stage. And I said, all right, let me ask you a question. What happens if you would have dropped your magazine? And guess what he did as he ran around the corner? Now, this this happened. He, he, <laughs> he ran around the, the corner. No, he didn't drop it, but he fumbled it. But he was able to, you know, put it in or whatever. So I said, what would you have done if you would have dropped your magazine? He goes, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's, I wouldn't have dropped it or what. And I said, okay, no big deal. The very next stage time that I ran the same exact stage, I grabbed my magazine. And I didn't do this on purpose. It just happened. Like, it was like, oh, fate, just so I could have this conversation. And I... I think I have a magazine here. So I grabbed the magazine, and when I went to put it in the gun, it was completely backwards, bullets back towards me, away from the gun. So I had to completely twist the gun, the magazine, to get it in the gun. And so I'm standing in bounds because I was hauling ass. I'm standing in bounds, and I'm, you know, turning the mags around, putting it in the shoot it. So I, I, it was a class lesson. And he looked at me, and he's like, oh, I guess I need to start carrying mags. The next time he came out, he had five mags on him. I said, why are you carrying all those mags? You know, so I was giving a hard time. And, but I, I was like, that's a lesson in itself. Like, you would have never had that if you didn't come to the class and that scenario happened. But the first thing he said to me after I got on him about bringing more magazines, he goes, I can't believe he noticed that. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I do, baby. You know, that's what I do here. Well, the time you only carry two mags is the problem is that's when you're going to yeet one across the range and be like, oh, yeah. what am I going to do? Just like you at PCC Nationals. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I really appreciate that. <laughs> we're, this is why we're friends and we can give each other shit. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you're done. I said to run and go get it. Yeah. But and you, I had a magazine on my back. It just, I didn't move it to the front like I should have, like, so that I would have just mentally sought, go get it, you know? So that was pretty stupid on my part for sure. Right. But yeah, it, but was he an open shooter? No, he was a carry optic shooter. He's just very new to the sport. Oh. Um, he's very, very new to the sport. He says he, he doesn't even have a classification, but he was like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm probably a D shooter. I'm like, trust me, you're not a D shooter. You're actually a pretty decent shooter. You're just new. You know, you just have a lot of things to do and learn. So, it, and that's another thing. Like I sat down at a dinner table the other day. Let's talk a little bit about levels of classes, all right? Because mm -hmm. that's something I had on my list here. Yes. There are different levels of classes and different levels of students that come to these classes. So my class is a pretty advanced level one class. I don't really have a, hey, here's how you don't shoot yourself class. Um, I'm probably going to start one of those because I feel like some of my students need a fundamentals class and i think i teach some of the fundamentals a little different than others like i i think i have a different mindset of what's important um and i think that sometimes i see people who come to me and their mindset from their fundamentals isn't doesn't really fit what we do for this sport right and that's obviously what i coach is this
Mm-hmm. But there's different levels of of classes. So you have your fundamental class, which is where you most of the time you're going to stand and shoot. Um, then you have your your more advanced class, which will will tend to probably get into some standing and shooting, and then a little bit of movement, maybe a, a stage run, couple of runs here and there, or whatever it is. So my classes are a lot different because the only t- time that we really stand and shoot. Um, when it comes to fundamentals is at the very beginning. So the very first thing we do is we shoot a stage, then we get into some fundamental stuff just to see where you are as a shooter. And and most of my stuff isn't to change you as a shooter. If I can get you to stand and shoot two alphas consistently, I don't really need to spend a lot of time teaching you how to hold the gun. Um, some of the things that I've added in my class for fundamentals that I didn't used to add is pressures. Um, I've discovered some stuff about how to hold the gun that doesn't actually have to do with the way you change your grip or I, I don't really feel like you have to do a lot of that. If you can stand and shoot two alphas comfortably, then when you start to shoot fast, it's because your pressures fall apart. So it's how you press the gun. Is the gun moving during dry fire? That kind of stuff. And I will tell you, dude, the biggest thing I see when it comes to the grip is most people don't actually know what their gun is doing. Like they really don't understand how the gun is reacting to the things that they're doing to it. Um, Like people who slap the trigger and I'm putting up air quotes like a mofo right now. (laughs) Yeah. I am a completely against, I'm completely against that. The trigger has anything to do with accuracy. For me, the trigger has to do with time, like how fast I could pull the trigger. And what I mean by that is if I'm the sights are there, I should have pulled the trigger already. If they're not there, then I'm holding, waiting. But the most people, they're on the target. They have their dot on it or their iron sights, and they miss because they've already moved the gun. It has nothing to do with slapping the trigger. That's because they didn't pull the trigger when the dot was on there, and that's where the trigger comes into play. Mm-hmm. But I cannot tell you how many people, like when they're shooting their gun, they squeeze so hard with their left hand that they don't put any pressure into the lower grip so that the gun dips. I mean, dip, dip, dip. Now, if you pull the trigger or yank the trigger, you your gun's going to yank left because your left hand is squeezing down but not into the gun to the right, right? So left to right if you're right-handed, vice versa if you're the other hand, wrong-handed. So I always start with left to right gun movement, right? If the gun's moving, if the gun is going down into the left, I want you to add thumb pressure to the side of the gun. That's how I do it. Instantly fixes the the left to right, right? And then if the gun is dipping, then I make you work your strong hand, right? The actual hand on the grip is what you're going to work with. And you're going to add some pressures. I never want you to change your pressures on your support hand. I want that 1 million percent grip like grip down. I also grip the shit out of the gun with both hands. I don't have a percentage on my right hand. I grip the gun extremely hard with both hands. Um, it works for me. I don't, and and the other thing about me as a coach, and I feel like you should, when you go to a class, this is the only way you can really get a lot from a class is it can't be the way it's gotta be a way. Right. So for me, when students come, I don't try to change their shooting to my way. I don't try to go, oh, your grip sucks because it's not the way I hold the gun. I don't do that. <laughs> I just try to work with what they have. Um, again, most people that come see me can shoot the gun. I, I don't I don't have to teach them how to hold the gun. I just need to make the details more important to them. 
and that team sends tends to work very very well in a class they always do better with their accuracy throughout the class because they start to understand the pressures of how to hold the gun and what the gun is doing because of their grip and their finger and the yada i mean there's so many different things that go into holding a pistol that it's it's not usually just one thing sometimes it is those are the guys the easiest ones to fix instant grip pressures fixed right like add thumb pressure uh you know don't push into the gun as hard for, you know with your left hand oh no just kidding push with the right hand so there's lots of different things that you can do to manipulate the gun uh, but most students don't understand what they're doing to get the gun to move like that mm-hmm well, even like, as you mentioned earlier, um, after class dinners, right? So I was sitting on the second night, I was sitting at the other end of the table, far away from my friend, Tom, um, I was sitting with another group of shooters. We were talking because we, we kind of know some people in the same circles. Uh, and we were talking about grip like this, this individual had kind of issues shooting groups, um, or putting targets in the A zone at, at you know, 10 yards. Yep. And I was like, well, show me how you grip with your left hand. This is after the class. And he's like, he, he holds my hand nicely. Like if I was like a little kid and I'm like, all right, hold on. Give me, give me your hand. And I, right. I show him how I grip with my open gun. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm right. like, like, bro, you're the guns kicking you around. Like we got some problems here. Yeah. And the funny part is, is you have an open gun. Most people who shoot open guns think that the gun does all the work. That's not how it works. No, <laughs> no you got to put more. I think you got to like, because you have the most advantage, most advantageous piece of equipment. You must, your fundamentals must be solid. You can't slack because of your good equipment. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I, I, so I'll give you a good example of where most people struggle is a thumb rest. Um, people love the thumb rest because they feel like they're holding down the recoil. But what most people don't understand is when they put that thumb rest on there, they've added so much pressure to the gun that it dips all the time. And they don't understand why they're getting so many Charlies. They don't understand why the gun's dipping, but they don't see it dipping, right? Mm -hmm. Because what, what's going on is it's coming up and then it lands below zero. Like it's like if it's in the middle on the first shot, bang, when the gun lands, they're jamming their left thumb on that on that press or on that thumb rest. And it's dipping as they see the red dot land through the A and they've pulled the trigger too late. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I cannot tell you how many people that shoot minor ammo that absolutely suck because of their thumb rest. And I, I hate to say that because I know companies make money off of it, but let's just say it this way a thumb rest the name of it is exactly what it should be but most people don't it becomes a thumb press instead of a thumb rest it's mm -hmm. meant to put your thumb on it and not actually use it 100 percent. the best part about a thumb rest is it puts the gun up higher so you can pick it up off a damn table <laughs> oh jesus for all the table starts i ain't putting no damn thumb rests on there just for that stupid table start <laughs> no no you shouldn't but i'm gonna leave it on there one because oh, i don't think man. i can get my thumb rest off without drilling screws <laughs> so it's stuck on there my, oh, my my builder loves me but um I think you could dremel it dude i heard dremels work really good for gunsmithing God, I wait. Matt Kobe. Matt Kobe will dremel that thing off there. No problem. He'll have an angle grinder out in 30 seconds, bro. He can do that to his open gun, then, not mine. Uh, I don't think he owns an open gun. He breaks everything he owns. Or he sells it because he doesn't want to get his feelings hurt about his friends kicking his ass with a PCC. Oh, that's too good. That's oh. good. Hey, if we didn't bust um, Matt Kobe's balls during this, are we good friends at all? No, you got to get him. Got to get him. So. But no, um, so. Oh, 
Oh, oh weird. Now I so kind of lost my top model. That's all right. I got another set of eyes, so I'll just keep going with my list here. Um, like I said, we'll talk about it and then kind of continue on through the list and then and have some stuff about it. So um, another reason that you know you should take a class is understanding how to actually train. All right. Mm -hmm. So most people that come to me um, in a class, they absolutely struggle or get stuck for one reason only. They don't know what to train. Um, uh, in my opinion, there is a big gap in this industry or in this sport in general between the training conversation and the actual use of it in a sport in our sport. So you get a lot of dry fire drills, which are great. They get you on the fundamentals. They keep your gun in your hand. They work all these things. But where I'm seeing my biggest breakthroughs in my students is when I actually get them on the range and I give them a plan of attack on how to actually get better. So my goal is at the end of every single class is that they actually know what they suck at and how to get better at it. Not just what they suck at because they probably think, oh, I suck at everything. Well, that's not true. Like, like the gentleman I was talking about earlier, he didn't carry enough mags. He even told me at dinner, he goes, man, I am so glad I took this class. I was afraid that I was gonna be outclassed and not ready for your class. And I asked him, I said, you tell me now, like now that you're here and you're shooting this with the class, you've been here for a full day. It's a big day on day one. What do you feel like? He's like, no, man, I've, I've got it. Like I, I'm actually, I don't feel like I'm outclassed at all. And I was like, exactly. 99% of the people that come to my class that aren't GMs are fine. They just, they have their, the reason that most people are at where they're at is because they've never had a set of eyes on them like mine, right? Or even any instructor, any guy who's a high level instructor in this sport is going to pinpoint the inaccuracies that you have in your in your game and, and the weaknesses that you need to attack. And I think that is a big thing about my class that, and I'm sure other classes are exactly the same, but if you don't walk away from my class with a plan on what you need to get better at, I failed like miserably. And I would be very upset with myself <laughs> taking someone's money if they left my class and didn't have a clue what they needed to do after that mm -hmm. oh and we we personally we had conversations about this like what do i need to work on right like yep. and you're just like explore everything you know what you need to do just yeah. it's like you're doing things great but you just got to clean these things up um yeah. and even like i'll say now like we talked about we both shot stages from handgun nationals not too long ago i shot yeah. a match and you broke me down and i'm like i really lack i know personally i lack on stage planning to strengths and strategies so yep. i know that's something i really need to work on um uh, because do, do, I, I you broke a stage down and i fell for a gimmick which caused yep. me a mic because <laughs> i was a dumbass and i was yep. like what, what there's no fucking point to go to that back spot and then you're yep. like no it's all about setting up the hips it's all about getting the right movement yep. um there's so many things like People, we, we, we try to all be gamers, I think, in the sport, too, to the to an extent. And it's like, sometimes it's not advantageous to game. Just go to the fucking spot where you're not going to have any issues and shoot the damn target. I, I think the biggest issue that comes into stage planning, man, is that there's they hear so many different ways to run stages. And I hear a lot of grandmasters, man, that say it's all about execution and not about the stage plan. That's horseshit, in my opinion. Not, not that they're... Not that they don't know what they're talking about, but in my opinion, if I can sneak out a half a second from a stage 
even if I tie their time, I got to shoot more comfortable. I got to aim for longer. I got to shoot slower and give myself a better chance at getting better hits and still equal their time, right? Because I looked for that extra 0.10 difference in the time. I wanted to take one less step or I didn't want to lean on a target. Um, you name it. There's many, that's the, that's another thing that sucks about our, our sport is there's no one way to do anything. Everything can be done multiple ways. So stage planning is probably the number one thing in our sport that you can do multiple ways and get pretty good results. Mm -hmm. But when you're at my level, you've got to find the perfect, the perfect way to do it. The most efficient way. Cause if somebody else does and they hook up, you're going to get worked. You're going to get beat up pretty good. And, and again, at my level, what I'm discovering, it's not, you're not going to get your ass kicked on a stage. Usually like you have to mess up for them to beat you really badly, but they bleed you to death. Five points, 10 points, five points, five points, six points, three points, four points. And by the time you're done with the match, you're like, how the hell did I lose by 30 points? Which is a lot of points as a grandmaster. And it's because you're losing two points, three points, two points, five points, two points, five points, 10 points, whatever it is. Now, obviously, if you drop 50 points, uh, you're, you're screwed. You're not, it's going to be tough to come back from that. But it's that's why I said it's so important to think about the efficiency all the time, about always finding my way to the last target as fast as possible with the best hits is the goal of any stage plan. So what most people don't do or what most people do is they'll walk the stage and only think about the steps like, all right, cool. This is five steps less or four steps less. I'm like, all right, you're right. It was four steps less or five steps less. I don't disagree with you, but what did you lose in the time that it took you to set up for the position? Mm -hmm. That's what you have to trade those things off. Also, you have to think about the next position or how to get to the next position. So one of the things that I do completely different than almost any other grandmaster that I have listened to talk about shooting, because I don't, I don't really get a chance to go to a lot of classes or hear these guys talk a lot about how they teach their classes with stages. But for me, I teach how to get to the next target from the position you're already in. So when I stage plan, I'm not worried about the targets I'm in front of. And, and, and this is going to sound weird, but I obviously am worried about the shooting part of it. But I'm thinking about the exit and how to get to the next position. Let me rephrase that. Not next position. The next target, the fastest. Not Because I don't care about positions. I care about shooting. I care about targets. So how can I get to the next position the fastest? And that only happens because I'm thinking about that when I'm walking the stage and I'm thinking about that when I'm getting to the position. Most people think about, okay, cool, I gotta get to this position, shoot some stuff. I gotta get to that position, shoot some stuff, get to that position. So they turn it into three or four arrays. For me, if I can, depending on the stage design, my goal is that I have one array from the draw all the way to the last target. I never wanna stop moving and shooting. That is the goal for me at all times. Even if I have to stop, my goal is still to blend it all together so I can constantly be shooting. You should never hear bop, 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 unless they force you. Because if your plan makes you stop and I don't, I've already become, I'm already going to win. And I see that so much in my classes. It's, there is a, uh, an epidemic of stopping. 
<laughs> in our sport, man. When there doesn't need to be. If the stage does not require you to stop, there is no reason to stop. Especially in the same class stage that we shot in Michigan and Florida. That first array, well, you you train. There's no reason to stop until you get to the you like you crash coming into the second shooting area. There's no reason to to worry about stopping for some steel and some paper on the left hand side. Right. Because they're they're close enough, you should be able to hit them walking in from the crash. Yep. I think I think another thing that's really big about a class in general, and maybe not just mine, but I, I'm going to speak more about me because I don't really know how everybody else does their stuff. But with my class, I will tell you something that I've noticed this year more than ever before in my classes is the light bulbs go off when you make them feel what I feel. So when putting them in positions where I go, okay, look, you're going too fast here. I want you to slow down and feel like you're walking here. I want I want it to feel slow. Like I, I don't care what, because I don't, it's funny because a lot of the videos that you guys see me post, um, if you're following my page at all, if you see me post videos where I'm talking to these guys about running the stages and stuff, I never, ever get their times when they're working on it. I don't care about the time. I care about what it feels and what the flow is. Because mm -hmm. if they can shoot it on the move, even if it's walking, it's faster than running to that spot and shooting it. Obviously, it depends on the stage, guys. So don't don't get crazy. If it's but a 50-yard shot, I'm not telling the dude to run and shoot the thing on the move, right? So it's uh, a lot of people get super technical about if you say one thing, they get a little crazy. Yeah, um, we don't speak in all um, absolutes ever. Yes, well, that's the problem. They You do that as a coach, and they lose their shit on the internet, So which not that I care. But um, the big thing about that is by making them feel what I feel, they start to understand how slow it is. Like, the oh, the shooting is the slowest part of what we're actually doing. Because obviously if you like took that literal, you'd be like, Tom, you're an idiot. I can shoot the gun in 0.13. I can't run that fast. I, I understand that. <laughs> like, But that's not how it works if you actually want to hit stuff, right? Like you're not going to shoot a 13 split on the move on your average target at 15 yards. You're not going to do that and be accurate uh, consistently. You might get it but you're not going to be consistent or you're going to be so damn slow. You might as well just stopped and shot it. So to me, it's just one of those things where there's, you're going to start making these trades and you have to like, let the student feel that it's a feeling that you can't put on a video. It's mm -hmm. only happening in a class when you can go, look, slow down here, feel this. I want you to feel the crash and then just walk normal. Don't even try to pick up the pace. Just walk like you were going to walk to the couch. And when they feel that and they go, holy shit, that was so easy. I go, you got it. Now do that every time perfectly. <laughs> and then they fall out of bounds or forget it or, you know what I mean? It's But that's a class. That is what a class is, man. It's a bunch of failures and a whole lot of successes at the same time. Mm -hmm. it, it's a pretty amazing feeling. Right. Well, and I even think even within your class, um, it's always, I liked it cause I, I buddied up with Kobe or Ricky and I was, we were watching each other. Right. It's like, what do you see on this? You know, what were you seeing for me? Like, um, well, there was always a little dialogue when we weren't shooting or we weren't the shooter on deck. We were having the dialogue about it. Like we, I mean, you got to stay engaged somehow, especially when you're doing a bunch of one-on-one -on -one coaching, the best way to stay engaged is to pay attention and then debrief afterwards. Yeah. Listen, I have, um, I, I am definitely an inform. I dump so much on my students. Um, I dump a lot on there, but it all connects. It's never, 
the, so another thing about my class or that, and I, I'm hoping that most classes are like this. Again, I'll just talk about me because I don't, I don't really know what their classes are like, but I have a system. Everything works on top of each other. So when we start on the draw, I never tell you later to not not have a fast draw. I never tell you to slow down the draw. Um, I honestly, I never use the phrase slow down. It makes me want to just throw up in a trash can. I cannot stand that phrase uh, because it's because it's never just a like, okay, I'm going to control that. No, they instantly slow down to snail's pace because that's what they're told to do or used to. They don't understand the reason they can't hit the target at fast speed accurately is, is not because they can't hold the gun. It's because they've never gone that speed before. So their eyes have never caught up to it ever. When you especially mentioned the draw, I love the fact that you say, give me half second effort. Give me half, half second, second effort. Yeah. Do, you know, it's like, I, uh, you know, it's just like half second. Half, like I was training with a buddy a couple weeks ago and I was like, so what were my draws on these? You know, we were doing like accelerator, you know, five, you know, yeah. was it like seven, 10, 25 or right. 20. And yeah. it's like, well, what was my draw on these? Oh, 0. 0.95, 0. 0.95. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving my half. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause people don't understand you can have a fast draw. You then shoot a 25 yard target <laughs> and still have the same aggression on the draw. Right. But then still get good alphas down there because you took yeah. all this time to aim yes. at the fucking target. Yeah. It doesn't matter how far the target is. I give the same effort on the draw. It doesn't matter. If it's if the target's 25 or the target's five yards, I'm gonna give myself a half a second effort. So it means so basically what that means, guys, is I'm going to draw my gun out of my holster so I could shoot the gun in half a second. But I don't shoot it in half a second because I can't see my dot. So what I do is I get it out as fast as I can. So when I do see my dot, I can pull the trigger. And that average is about 86 draw to a full second, depending. So my average draw on a mini popper at 25 yards is 125. And I could pretty much guarantee a hit on every single one of those draws. Why is that important? Because if you draw slow, you got no opportunity to ever hit the target fast. <laughs> well, so and you're just giving the guy... Yeah, you're, you're giving the other guy time. Yeah. Like, there's no point. Right. Like, like you, I've seen so many of your breakdowns of people, and they're like, they do this. They got to step in draw, right? And they're doing this. <laughs> yeah. People really, if you're watching yeah. the video, I hope you are, because I look like retarded. And like, get the gun. Yeah. Like, they do this step, and they're lackadaisically getting the gun out. Get the gun out first, as we say, gun first. You can't do yeah. anything without the gun or bullets. Yeah. And this is why like reloads, like fumbled reloads piss me off as much as they probably piss you off because like <laughs> you can't shoot the gun because there's no fucking yeah. BBs in it. So I don't I don't remind somebody fumbling the magazine if they're going for it. My okay. issue is is when they slow grab it and then they drop it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're going to reload, put effort into it. So I just it's just one of those things where I'm like, come on, man, let's let's go. Like, you got to make prior. A lot of this stuff is just not a priority in most people's shooting because they don't realize how much time it actually eats eats them up. Um, it, it is it, it, so that actually that's a perfect segue into what I was going to talk about next. Was the reason you would take a class? Another reason is see what is actually important. You need to come to a class to understand what is actually important. I cannot tell you how many people that I see. I'll give you a great example, and then we could just move right to the next subject. This one's the best way of me telling you that people don't understand what's important in this sport. Mm -hmm. The very first thing I do in my class is I go, give me your make ready at the safe table before you shoot a stage. And I'm going to tell you, it is the greatest. I never, ever, ever have to watch anybody make ready. 
All I have to do is listen because all you hear is the gun coming in and out of the holster, in and out of the holster, in and out of the holster, in and out of the holster. So <laughs> I said, okay, cool. Now, and I ask him, the first thing I say is, what are we getting ready to do? And they go, we're getting ready to shoot. I said, okay, how many times do you draw in the first stage? And they go once. I go, how many times are we going to pull a trigger for a target? And they go, well, there's 25 shots, so 25. I said, so which one do you think is more important? Getting your grip right and the trigger and all of these things? Or do you think it's more important to have a great draw? And they go, well, shit. <laughs> and I was like, well, look. I'm, I'm a big draw person. I absolutely believe in the draw sets the tone. You draw slow, you're going to shoot slow a lot of the times, right? Because most people don't have that switch where they can draw slow and then get at it. But if your pr process of getting making ready at the safe table is 500 draws and like two grip, like focusing on your grip maybe once or twice, you're, you got to reverse that. Put more time in the fundamentals of the gun understanding the grip pressures and making sure the dots not moving or, or the iron sights, we'll just say dots since no one likes those iron things anymore. Uh, focus on whether that's moving and get your grip right and your trigger prep pop process figured out and all of those different things before you actually shoot. Because when you draw, you got a 25 rounds or 32 rounds that got to go down range. Well, the draw is done. You're done with it. You don't have to have uh, a whole lot of practice on that draw <laughs> until it's mm -hmm. time to draw. So that, that I just, I see that a lot. And that is another one of those things where people just don't realize what is actually important in the sport. Most people, when you tell them, Hey man, you need to shoot faster. They think it's the gun and it's not like, cause that's just the average thing. People, Oh, you got to go faster. Well, what the hell does that mean, dude? I'm running as hard as I can. And I'm not getting any better. It's because you're not understanding that it's all the dead time that is actually what's killing your time and your score. It's the stuff that doesn't have to do with shooting, the transitions from target to target, the transitions from your body exiting a position to the new position, uh, You know how long it takes you to get your gun out of the holster. Those have nothing to do with shooting. Those are literally just effort and understanding the timing of how those things work. That That is a big thing in the class that I see as a lot of people don't understand where they're losing time. They just know they're losing it. Right. And another reason to video yourself, like you're going to see it, like, um, especially if you can compare like, like handgun nationals, for example, I was able to compare times, direct times from that match against nationals times. And I could see, I lost two seconds. You told me it's cause you yep. misengaged this array. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. where you lost time. You didn't yeah. shoot any slower or faster than you needed to, yeah. but you lost time that way. But people also don't know how to warm up at a match. Right. Oh and then, yeah. It's crazy. Like, like when you're talking about that dry fire make ready, right? People don't understand. Go to the day, go to the safe table and warm up because yep. you can, there's no excuse to go to your first stage cold. Yeah. Like, and you, you'll be crazy. You'll go, go for a run before your first stage. Dude, it gets away a lot of my, uh, it, it I'm old, right? I'm getting older. I'm 44 years old this year. I am. I was a really beat up this year from the amount of shooting I did. Carry Optics Nationals had that diamond stage where there was like three triangles and it was like a hundred yard run full speed. Yeah, that didn't. I, didn't, I should have stayed back and shot. <laughs> <laughs> I paid. I, I had. I paid for that for months now. I just now finally started to feel better after going to a physical therapist and getting some work done. But I mean, I, I just you have to understand that this is a sport. This is a, it's, this is a, an actual, like if you were to go out and play 
professional football, professional baseball, college baseball, high school baseball. Those guys don't just run up there and go, sweet, throw a pitch. They're, you know, they throw 100 rounds before they get out there and, and they get warmed up and they stretch and they do their stuff. I'm that guy and I'm okay with it. I know I probably look stupid as hell when I'm running around, but I don't care because I'm going to run my full speed on my first stage. And my first stage is going to be just as good as my last stage because I'm warmed up and ready to go. I'm mentally focused on stage one like I will be on my last stage or my second stage or my third stage. And that all comes from being prepared before I ever shoot. So that's a big thing I teach in my classes, be prepared. It, it's it's really big. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. If you're, And I like that you're saying that because you also, you're mentally focused from the first stage of the, the nationals to the last stage on your last day. You know, you don't let that mental fatigue get to you because you know what you need to do between stages. You know, you decompress, you focus, you refocus yourself, and you get back to going. You have to, man. You just can't – you can't allow – it's easy to make excuses. I'll just say it like that. I, I have tons of excuses just like everybody else, but I've learned in my life that the problem isn't anybody else. It's me. If I don't perform, it's because I wasn't ready. I didn't mentally prepare uh, not PCC nationals was big for me, bro. I mean, I'm telling you, I shot that match and I was, I had a very good chance to be right on Max's heels on day one. And I shot faster than I could see. I was all over them. It started off great. And I got into this one corner and I just started sending them and I couldn't tell you exactly what I shot <laughs> at all. I mean, I hit a piece of steel and I left the target, never called a good shot. I heard it ding, never went down. I ended up with a mic on the steel because it never went down. Um, I made up a shot on a piece of paper that I just slung two at because I was in a rush to get to the steel and uh, have no idea that I even hit it. So I left, went to the steel, came back, had a trigger freeze on the first one, came back. I ended up shooting the target four times just to make it up. Like, oh, did I shoot it? I'm not sure. Again, it's it's... There's no excuse. I wasn't prepared before I shot it. And I had, I was right on his heels. I was right there all day long. Even with some penalties, I was still right there. That's how well I had shot. So I learned, I learned at that match, like, okay, man, this sucks. Like you, you really blew your chance here. You had a good chance to really show up and I didn't. And it's, uh, I learned a lot from that. And it's really made me change the way I think about how to manage a match instead of trying to go after it all the time. I've Mm -hmm. learned to be consistent, be more consistent. Even if I'm a little bit slower than I want to be, there are stages you can go get it. And there are stages that you might not want to go get it on. (laughs) Right. And you're just, you're just, you're just holding. Right. And, and, and it's weird because I still never like back off. Right. I never like take, but there are times when I'm like, all right, you got to be a little calmer in here. You know, you can't, you can't just whip your gun off this steel. You got to really make sure you got it this time. So it's uh it's different, right? You're just different m- mindsets about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it true at nationals? Max is like, so you're gonna put another fourteen percent on one stage on us on the third day? Well, and that was the problem. Like that was the thing. Like Max told me, he's like, dude, you're, he's like, you beat beat us all by fourteen percent on two different stages for two days. What are you gonna do here on the third day? You're gonna get the same thing. But it didn't matter because I dropped 50 points for two different stages on two different days. So it didn't matter. Yeah, great job, dude. But that just shows potential. That doesn't, <laughs> I mean, at that point, the match was well over. Like, he, I think he was beating me by 75 points at that point. So mm-hmm. I, I've learned a lot from him. Like, he's an amazing shooter. I've learned a lot from him. I just, 
We've had a lot of great conversations recently, man. I owe that guy a lot right now for for a lot of our conversations. We talked a lot about at Texas too, and and during Texas while I was shooting, he was texting me back and forth and stuff. Like and after we had a good conversation and stuff. So I I really appreciate that guy. He's been he's been big for me lately. I've had I've had a lot of help in the last two years from from top shooters. Um, I've had a lot of conversation with Nils. I've had a lot of conversations with Mason Lane. Man, uh, Mason Lane has helped me in. He probably didn't even know it. We've just had some like really simple conversations after matches that I'm just like, all right, thank you. Like, I appreciate that. Like, you know, I mean, he's, he, him and I are very alike when it comes to when we lose, we're never happy <laughs> when we lose. Like, it's like, oh man, fourth place. Awesome. And I'm like, that's bullshit. I suck. <laughs> but this also speaks to your level as an instructor and a coach because you will take feedback and criticism from other shooters and other high mm. level people who know what the F they're talking about. Yes. Instead of, it's not this dogmatic, uh, no, I'm doing it right. No, yep. no, I don't know what's going wrong. Yep. If people watch me on the video, I've got like these ear, these <laughs> blinders on with my hands. <laughs> I started my career like that though. I really did. I started my career like, you know, no one knows what they're talking about. I've got this and this and that and everything else. And I was like, you know what? I would probably be smart to listen to somebody who's been doing this for a lot longer than me. And uh, it really changed the way I, and I also realized very, very quickly that there's many ways to do this sport. And it, you know, this is one of the few things where it's like, man, there really is a lot of ways to do this. There's lots of ways to hold the gun and lots of ways to move and entry and exit. And and I've, I've just found what I would consider the most efficient way to do a lot of these things and for what I do for me and the way I think that doesn't mean someone else's way doesn't work. It's just the, I've just discovered that they're a little different. And I know there's a lot of people that don't think footwork's important in our sport. They really don't. Like I hear it all the time in podcasts, like, Oh man, stop thinking about your feet, you know, focus on your gun and, and da, da, da. I was like, why are they not winning then? Like, you know, everybody who's at the top really focuses a, quite a bit on movement. Um, <laughs> well, you can't get to the last target by standing still. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying it's uh movement is the low hanging fruit in our sport, but the hardest tree to chop down. <laughs> it's yeah. the hardest tree to chop down. You can grab some low fruit, but to actually become very efficient at it, it takes a lot of focus, a lot of focus, which makes your shooting suffer. That's the number one thing in my class. When we get into the movement section of my class, the shooting is tough because they've lost all track of what the gun's supposed to do. And that just shows you how much they only think about gun sights, gun sights. And it's like, look, how do you get from the left corner to the right corner if you're not shooting, right? Like, remember, you're not shooting anymore. Now it's time to run. So if you don't, I mean, I, I've met people that don't know how to exit out of a position. They can't stop crossing their legs. They can't, you know, they're they're just inefficient on the way they exit. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's a lot of things in this sport, man. Levels, like movement is, at movement, if you move your feet, your gun moves. If you move your body, your gun moves. So I never understood why people don't focus more on the body because your gun is held by your body. <laughs> like it doesn't right. just float. Well, uh, well, speaking of body, um, gravity. People using yeah. gravity. You absolutely hate people using gravity. And it doesn't say, all right, guys, that saves you no time to fall out of a position because guess what? You're more likely to have trigger freeze or more problems falling out with gravity. Just make a damn exit. <laughs> I, I would say the biggest thing with gravity is it absolutely works. You can get it to work. 
but you can't consistently do it every single time. And that's the problem. That's mm-hmm. where that's why I don't like gravity when it comes to shooting. Um, a well, lot sh- of people you shoot slower than you have to. Like shooting slow is on that is not okay. Dude, how about backing up? That's the same concept. People love to back up. And I always ask them, like, okay, well, I want you to back up on this target and then stop as soon as you take the two shots. Their splits are always slower and they never gain any distance. It's literally pitter, they're, they're, they're doing happy feet. I have a video in the insider circle in my online course talking about happy feet where they're just moving their feet, but they actually haven't gained any distance. I'm like, then why move? Why don't you just rip the target and then turn around and use your legs, which is where your power is and blast out. Now here's the problem though. There's guys like Casey Usubio that are freak, freak athletes. I was gonna cuss there, but freak athletes, like this dude can literally float above ground, never touch the ground when he's backing up and he's backing up as fast as I can run forward and he can get hits, right? It's it, There's guys like that that can absolutely do that. But your average normal person, me included, is not backing up fast and accurate and shooting fast at the same time. So it, again, I don't just make this shit up. It all comes from a timer, right? I, it's, mm-hmm. I have hard things in my hand i have the timer in my hand and it says right there boom okay look it's faster to get the gun out and then step into a into a position versus having the gun in a holster stepping in and then trying to draw so there's just there's a lot there with that that comes into a class mm-hmm. absolutely well and even after the class like the class might be over the 12 the 20 hours the 24 hours of coaching at the class might be over but for you specifically the coaching doesn't end, right? You, you you give access to your insider, your master member level for a month for free, to all, you know, after yeah. every class. And I, it's probably sad to say most people take the month and then dip, right? Yeah. But You'd be there's surprised so, so many people don't actually even sign up for the month of free. It's, it's really crazy that they don't even sign up. You know how much of a good friend I am to you is I had that code for a free month and I didn't even use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't understand why they don't use the code. It's... It's part of the class. I mean, it's a $50 value to go in there and watch videos. And and uh, it, it just kind of follows through with what I teach in the class, right? So now you can go to the range and use those videos to kind of compound what you already know from the class and kind of give you refreshers throughout. And then that's one of the reasons why I think online training is so important now, because you can actually watch the videos over and over and over and over again. And but Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people use the videos like they're intended. They're intended for you to actually go to the range, shoot, and follow along with that video, and then you know pretty much imitate exactly what I'm doing on this. I mean, all my videos are pretty extensive in detail because the details where it's at. I, I mean, it makes no sense. Like, and I'm sure, and I'll just say this out loud for most people. I'm sure you've heard this. Go faster. Uh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if there's not a detail behind go faster you're wasting your time with that coach right it, it's got to be a detail behind that 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 what you're doing it for right i will say though some people this and i guess this, maybe you can go faster is the wrong phrase do it like you mean it like yeah. like there's like if you're running through the stage and you're like yeah. uh, people right. on video really need to be doing is like no fucking yeah. move your move your butt right. and get go like then yeah. there's a point to go faster right like or be more aggressive feel me like you're doing it because we all see those guys waddling through a stage you know you've got 10 yards of running movement absolutely no purpose to have the gun up you know just you need to run and I'm gonna don't. I'm gonna I'm pulling up something right now so one of the things I send out all right in my um 
One of the things I send out is, uh, where is it? Permission. Uh, okay. One of the things I send out at the end of every class is the final thoughts. Like there's eight things and I keep adding to the list, but right now it's only been eight for quite some time. Um, but I add this to the list. So number three, because there's some other things that are really important in there. <laughs> number three, effort. Effort is a hidden gem in this sport. Put in the effort at all times and you will instantly change your scores without even practicing. And then I followed up in quotations, mindset. It's a million percent a mindset. So I want you to think about this, guys, when you're after when you're listening to this podcast. You have 15 seconds to shoot a stage. Most of the time, your average stage is 15 seconds. What do you want to be remembered as for those 15 seconds? Do you want to be the guy who's like just strolling through or you want to be the dude that everyone's like, let's go. He crushed it. You have to decide that. And that literally comes from zero practice. It's a mindset change. You have to go out there and go, I am going to burn this son of a bitch down every time. Now, that doesn't mean go shoot crazy. That just means when you can put effort, when you can run hard, when you can draw fast, when you can get your butt from one position to the next, get the reload done faster. That's where the effort gets put in. And when you start changing your effort level is when you change your scores instantly. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. 100% effort is a key. Like even like when we you first started coaching me, we first met at Buckeye Blast in May. You're like, I can coach this guy. He puts in yeah. fucking he puts in the effort. Like <laughs> it's not like and, yeah. and that's the thing too, right? As a coach, I, I'm assuming that you know you put more effort in because you know your student and your your person receiving the coaching is putting the effort back, right? It makes it easy to be engaged with what they're doing. Everything. It's, everything. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool, you sent me another video, but okay, here's probably a bad example. You probably don't have any of these, but there's probably some shooters out there. You give them a list of things to do in one month. They send you another set of videos, and they haven't worked on anything that you've talked about. Maybe. <laughs> so I will tell you, I'll give you an example. I wasn't sure if I was going to bring him up and uh, I won't use his last name just in case he doesn't want to be called out. I have a gentleman in my master members and I've never met him, never met him. We've only talked online through the, through the emails and, and uh, videos that he sent me. And I've been breaking his videos down, I think for four months. His name's Tim. What an unbelievable difference in his shooting from the day I did his first video to the last video I just did. And this funny because the last one I said, dude, you're making this harder and harder every time I get a video from you. So I usually break down one video and I break down, I, I watch five or six videos that they have because I'm looking for consistency on one thing that they can work on to fix. I don't, you can't fix six or seven things at a time. So Tim sends me these videos and I go through all the videos and I'm like, holy shit, like, okay, man, it's, uh, there's not a single bad video here. It's just a bad thing here or there. So I had to go through all six videos and make this video for him to explain to him like it's this, this and this, it's not consistent. It's this, this, and this. So already gotten better. And I always make sure I follow up with some positive things in those videos because never everybody does it. And you never are completely terrible. Mm -hmm. Even if you think you are, most people think they shoot a terrible stage because they get a mic. You actually shot all alphas in a mic. Does that make it a terrible stage? No, you just had one bullet get away from you. But most people see a mic and they instantly go, oh, it was a dumpster fire or, or whatever it is. 
99% of the time, it's not that. It's it's just that it's just our mindset, right? We all want perfection, and it's pretty much impossible in the sport. But as I was going through his videos, I'm like, man, this is good, dude. Like, this is the kind of guy I like to coach because even though I'm coaching myself out of a job, <laughs> like I'm going to lose a student eventually because he's not going to need me. It'll be shooting against me at some point. It's like, dude, this is what it's about. It's about attacking those weaknesses that I bring up. Right. And then not just attacking them, but understanding that you're going to be, it's going to be a, a, a process. You're never going to get one video from me and go, Oh, I'm done. He, he nailed it. Well, of course I nailed it. Cause that's what I do for a living. I see it, but you still got to put the work in to understand that it's, it's a process. It's never just one video and I'm like, boom, instantly fixed. If that was the case, I would be out of this job for sure a long time ago. So it's, um, it's a process. It's, it's a process process. And it's a fun process. If you look at it in a positive way, most people get frustrated and struggle when I have a video. I'm actually going to probably post this one tomorrow in the class. I busted out with, I was like, if you suck, that's a good thing. That's showing you that you're pushing. <laughs> and look at me like, yeah, I'm going faster than I'm supposed to. You know, and, and and I was like, good, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to push past what you're comfortable with. That's just mm -hmm. how it works. Right. And if you don't know what your your you know, your comfort level is or what you can perform at, like that um that one hundred percent, if you don't know what that is, you know, how are you gonna perform to that level, right? You're always gonna under try or over try, it seems like. Yeah. People go back to slow down and get your hits. Right? They always do that. Slow down, and get your hits. But that's what they've been taught. Mm -hmm. First thing that we teach new shooter, like it's not about score, man. It's about being safe. And then for a reason, we don't follow up with that guy. Cool, man. You're safe. Now let's go. What the hell are you doing? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's uh, how it works, you know? Mm -hmm. 100%. And like you've talked about, you've mentioned it multiple times. You know, you've got the insider circle, you've got the videos, right? Like, and people don't take enough advantage of, I feel, the other videos and content you put out there behind the paywall because it's like, you know, these things that they're struggling in stages, oh, if they just watched the video about it, they could have <laughs> applied it to their own shoot. Right. And sometimes it takes them a minute or an aha moment to be like, oh, yeah, that's what he was talking about. Right. When I, or like, it's so comparable. Like, I don't know. I'm one of those nerds. I think most of my listeners understand uh, I'm a shooting nerd. Like, I'll look at things and watch it all day if I can. Uh, <clears throat> but it's got to be informative and, and, uh, and interesting to watch because I don't want, well, I don't want to watch paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of videos I post online. Um, they're just small little snippets of what I, I post on the inside circle. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, I mean, I, I'm very protective over what I, what I put out. I don't put a lot of stuff out that I give to the insider circle guys, uh, for a reason. They're my customers. Those guys are, um, They've trusted in me and my coaching and have paid me, basically allowed me to do this for a living. So I, I keep a lot of that stuff under wraps for a reason. And I and I do enjoy giving out free content. Um, I like giving out stuff to where people can learn from what I do because I didn't have that when I first started. And not everybody has money to pay for coaching and training. So I try to do a little bit of both, right? I'm, I'm super protective over my, my, my product because I'm proud of my product. I mean, I put a lot of work into my videos, dude. I spent 
Oh man, I don't even want to talk about how much I spend in camera gear. Well, if you um, think about it, how the time you spend on the range, you double that in the editing room that you're in right now. One million percent, man. Yeah, I spend a lot of time in this room editing. So uh, yeah, I mean, dude, my class that I just had, I I I just took my old cell phone because I switched over to an iPhone. Um, <laughs> hey, we got and, clipboards now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. You're welcome for that, by the way. <laughs> uh, I found it. I I took my old phone and I just videoed a bunch of the shooting and I got at least 10 or 12 clips out of that video just from like converse and it's a lot of this stuff just doesn't it's not planned it's like I have my specific things planned to do that I have to get through that I that are very important to me for people to understand my process but there's things that just come up and I'm like this is a huge learning lesson right here this is a huge this would be giant if I was just starting out so I will break away from what I'm doing and I'll jump on that Right. And we'll, and I'll have that conversation with people. Um, even if it took an hour of my class and it, and it suffered a little bit on something else, that is such a big learning point, uh, that I was like, I got to talk about this. Got to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and especially if it's right there in the moment and you're thinking about it, cause you're never going to remember it 20 minutes later, 30 minutes right. later. It's like right. full pause on class. I know where that was. Let's talk yeah. about this, what so-and-so was going through and we'll figure it out. Yeah, I would I would say one of the things that's different about my class than most other classes, at least from what I can tell, is I spend a lot of time on the stage stuff. I, I work a lot on stage planning. Um, we the second day we run the stage a lot. We do almost all movement on day two. Um, the second the second half of I want to say second half, but the last quarter of my day one is movement it's all movement understanding movement learning how to move and shoot understanding the timing and the processing of the footwork and how your body affects the gun and all these different things and then day two we go into shooting the stage and then i break my students down on the stage so they're getting a live coaching session while they're shooting stages like so i try not to do this very much but after they run their second one for a score then the third, fourth, and fifth run of those of those, they actually get me coaching them or even stopping them and making them redo things so they understand the importance of it. Well, one of my one of my students from this class just needed a kick in the ass. Like he just did not understand where he was losing most of his time. So I followed behind him yelling, Go, shoot, go, shoot. And when he finished, he shaved off six seconds and he looked at me, he goes, I need way more of that. That was awesome. Like I understood where to go and where not to go. And I'm like, I know, but I'm not always going to be there. So now that you understand where your weaknesses were, now let's get at it. And he did much better throughout the class, you know, for his, for the runs after, but it's like, what if you don't have that? Like who does it? You got to have that. Some guys need that, right? No, not every student needed that. I don't yell at every student. I just, there are people that need it. They're just, they got to, you got, and I know some people have posted videos of me yelling at people. It's only because that guy needed that. I don't yell at everybody. It's just the guy who needs it, needs it, right? It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Some people need it. Now, sometimes you need a football to get people moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen him multiple times and I give him absolute shit. Like, do you want me to go get the football? Do you want me to go get the football? He's like, man, why you got to bring that up? I'm like, like Q. Q is awesome. <laughs> I've ran into Q and Marlo a couple times, and yeah. it's I have not 
been i didn't know they were shooting the match or i would have shot with them but it was yeah. like oh like i didn't know you were here but oh, that's what uh, happened Let's finish. Let's tell people that story because that's actually a really good story. So there's a guy named Q that I have had in two classes. He came to my first Illinois or second Illinois class, and then he came to Michigan, which I didn't even know he was signed up, even though his name was on there. I just didn't even pay attention. Like, I'm thinking, well, hell, I just saw him a month ago. Like, that's not the same guy. So he signs up, and he brings his cousin Marlo to the class, right? So mm -hmm. Q is an ex-football player, uh, Division One or Division Two. Uh, college football player and he's a fullback and the biggest problem i have with that guy is he doesn't get going like he's super accurate like all alphas like just crushing accurate he's super muscular so his gun doesn't move around a whole lot like he's very accurate i'm like come on man we got to get going we got to get going we gotta get going and he's athletic it's not like he's uh you know in a wheelchair or or a walker he's he's got the ability he just doesn't use it so i told him i said all right man listen what if I gave you a football right now? What would you do? Well, if I handed, if I, if I said, hi, can I hand you a ball? What would you do? He's like, man, I knock over everything on the stage. I go, that's the mindset you got to have right now. And his next four or five runs were just on fire movement for him, right? Like obviously he's not running my stages, but again, that's the point is to get out of your comfort zone. And then Marlo, this is actually one of my favorite moments and, and I haven't had to do this in a while. Actually, I did it this week and I'll, I'll tell you that one real quick too. So this week, I, he was not understanding the entry and how to enter square to the target with the gun up. He was so obsessed with shooting that he could not understand his footwork was terrible. Like he almost to the point where he wanted to fall over every time because his footwork were all crossed up and he just, he could not understand the footwork was the drill, not the shooting. Mm -hmm. So I took his gun away. And as soon as I took his gun away, now I'm standing there with the gun loaded, you know, safety on, down at the ground, and I'm going, all right, stand by, beep. And he runs, and he's still messing his feet footwork up. And he looks at me, he goes, what the hell? I, I'm running this like I still have my gun in my hand. And I go, I know, that's why I still have your gun. And he died laughing, right? So he goes over. And the very, because he woke up to it himself, I didn't have to yell, I didn't have to scream, I didn't have to say anything. But as soon as he realized that he messed up because he didn't have his gun in his hand, he was like, oh man, I need to focus on my footwork. And that dude crushed it for the next 20 runs, like crushed it. I, and then I got to give him his gun back. But it was just like, if I don't take the gun away, you're too focused on shooting. The footwork drill was not, it's not about shooting. I just let you shoot because it's boring. So this weekend we had a guy in florida that uh could not get his footwork down he was uh, he was the biggest uh time suck for that drill right like i had to spend a lot of time working on his his footwork i took the steel away i didn't have to take his gun away but i took the steel away and when i took the steel away he figured it out again because people are so obsessed with their gun they never think about the entries and the exits and the footwork part and it's a big part of our game so once i was able to get him to figure out the gun work or the footwork. I put the steel back up and he was crushing it. I'm like, job accomplished, baby. <laughs> I just love that when it happens, when it works too. Cause I know what the problem is. It's the damn gun. It's the gun is the biggest problem in our sport for, to get better in so many ways. It really is. Mm -hmm. Well, in the, in the pro, as you say, people are more worried about the shooting part aspect of it when they don't realize, you know, division one football players, they don't have the ball in their hands all the time. They're doing Almost these micro, yeah. yeah. They're doing micro drills. They're doing what they need yeah. to do in practice right. in their like that focused right. drill, and then they get to put the ball in their hands. Yeah. It's not like they get the gun all the time. So, right. uh, sometimes you got to learn to put the gun away and just work yep. on the footwork, the movement, like the drill. 
I would say even if I even if you kept the gun, take the bullets away because mm-hmm. that's the first thing I usually do is take the bullets away, not the gun. Marlo was a little extreme because he was struggling so much with, you know, I, I had him try it with no bullets and it didn't work, so I had to take the gun away at that point. So he had nothing in his hands and he could just focus on running and 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 he's athletic too, mm-hmm. you know. Again, another athletic guy that couldn't couldn't figure it out because he was so used to just, you know hitting shit running boom crushing you know it with his shoulders like no dude this is the soft and gentle part right like <laughs> this is mm-hmm. the touch pass you know not not the hammer through a wall kind of thing uh right. and it, it's just stuff like that like you these are all little things that come up in a class that you would never know any of that you would never put your gun away without a coach in that aspect he would have never tried any of the stuff that i taught him because it it they never think it's important because they don't know it's important, right? No one's ever said it. They don't do it. They don't talk about it in front of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like even myself, like before we loaded the guns, you gave us the make ready. I'm like, I'm going to do this draw with dry with a gun. Right. You know, you got like, you got to, but vi- vision, that yeah. drill, it might <laughs> be an entry drill, but it's a vision drill, right? You yeah. look at the ground, you find where your yep. foot's got to go and yep. you land soft, right? Yep. Everything compounds, and, and hopefully, if people understand anything from this, like everything compounds, um, you always need eyes on things, like vision, baby, vision. Rule, rule one and rule two, right? Like, it's definitely, it's layers, right? Yeah. As you, you know, um, somebody might be crushing one thing, but the layer below that is suffering, right? So then you got to build up the layer underneath that to then get back to the good thing, and you might have to fix that good thing because you fix the next layer underneath it. I think this is why you see a lot of paper GMs. You see a lot of guys who can just absolutely stand and bang a classifier and stand and bang a, a, a speed shoot, but they cannot shoot a stage worth of shit. You know, they don't understand the process of the game that we're playing or the sport that we're playing. They don't understand that this is a well-balanced sport. It's not a. It's not really about the gun, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, the gun is very important. Don't get see that's again. This is the thing where you, you always got to over-explain yourself because people take everything so literal. But it, the gun is like the easiest part of our sport. Like once you get the fundamentals down of the gun, <laughs> it really is the easiest part of what we do. If you can separate the movement, the the effort, and all that stuff when it's time to shoot. Most people, when you go shoot faster, they just slam the hammer on the trigger. They just ah. They just start ripping that thing. Guns never, never coming down. It's already going off, right? So it's, there's just, there's little things like that that you just, you get, you get an understanding for that throughout the time. But most people, if they understood that it's about the other things that don't have to do with the gun, they'd realize real quick that splits don't mean shit, right? The only mm-hmm. time splits really matters when you get to my level. Like you cannot shoot slow <laughs> at all in our, at my level. Like if you take any time off, like you're like, oh, I'm going to guarantee hits. You are done because somebody else is going to get those hits at speed, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to do it all. <laughs> right. No, they're going to do both. Um, so again, levels to everything, but you know, if you're hearing this and you wouldn't be listening to what I'm saying anyway, at that point, you would already know that you got to shoot fast at my level. So, mm-hmm. oh, 100%, 100%. So, so brother, um, this has actually been really good. I, I love listening to talk to us. I love talking with you anyway, cause <laughs> we, we can just go on and on and on. Like, it's just like, if you're talking to your buddy, Craig or somebody, you know, somebody, you know, you can just talk to about this stuff yeah. forever. But, um, I, I think it's about time we wrap her up, but, um, What's one kind of thing you want to leave as a nugget at the end of this to wrap this bow up and send this package to Santa? (laughs) 
I would say, I'll give you this tip, and I've talked about this before, and I, I put this a lot on my on my posts, but I'll kind of explain it here, and it's it's the easiest way to understand how to get better in this sport when it comes to the gun. We'll go back to the gun since everybody loves the gun. There's two things that give you permission to shoot in this sport. Very simple. Sights and trigger. Number one is sights. If you don't have your sights, you don't have permission to pull the trigger. That, that simple. It's real easy. Number two, what gives you permission to exit, shoot another shot, transition, pull the tar, uh, reload, anything that doesn't have to do with seeing the sights, it's the trigger. Now, where most people fail on this is they think, oh, cool, just you know, pull the trigger. No, I'm talking about the trigger break. When the trigger breaks is when your actions happen. So if your gun goes bang and it starts to lift and you start to see all this, it's too late. I'm talking as soon as the trigger breaks, it's time to exit and get off. Easiest way to explain it, if the bullet is gone, you can't take it back, get on to the next thing. That's It's that simple. It's I base everything in my shooting off those two, two rules. If you follow those two rules, you will be able to call all of your shots. You will be able to exit faster than anybody else, transition. Everything will speed up when it comes to the shooting without pulling the trigger faster. Now, here's the only problem with those two rules, and I always make sure I say this because a lot of people, um, they need to hear this. They're the two easiest rules to break in our sport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So> Every time. <laughs> the whole reason that those rules were created in my world is so that I can call my shots. If I use those two rules, did I have sights or trigger, sights or trigger? If I make a mistake, I never have a bad match for a reason because I always can go back in my mind to go, yeah, I didn't have my sights and I still pulled the trigger. I didn't have permission. Or if you make a miss and you had your sights, it's because you didn't pull the trigger on time. That's why I said it's all about trigger timing. The time, the trigger has to do with time, has nothing to do with accuracy. So it becomes an accuracy game because of time. <laughs> but that would be one of the biggest tips that I could give uh, in the podcast. It's something that I, uh, I make a big, big, big part of my class. Um, and, and because I want students to understand that you can call your shot without 10, 15, 20 years of understanding what the gun does. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy. And actually, this sport's really easy until you put a timer on it. People laugh when I say that, but it really is. If I said, hey, shoot all alphas and you don't have a time limit, shit, everybody be crushing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as soon as you put a timer on it, that it shit gets really, really hard, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tom, brother, um, I guess this is the point where I say uh, you got to pay the bills for the guys who help you out. So go <laughs> ahead and shout, uh, tell the world uh, about your awesome partners. I can almost follow the list that you have right here. So uh, I want to thank Hunter's HD Gold, best glasses in the world. I've been uh, shooting those glasses for, holy shit, five years, almost four years. Mm -hmm. uh, Dominant Defense, I just hooked up with those guys this year. Best belt I've ever had. Um, I had a PCC. Now I have a limited optics belt, and I have a carry optics belt. The Easily the best belt I've ever had, and especially as a coach because I can – tighten the hell out of it when I need it and then loosen it. And actually this class, I forgot to loosen it for a while. And I was like, what the, Oh, <laughs> it was that tight. So I was like literally cutting circulation off. Um, outdoor dynamics, the best ammo. If you're not going to use a Mark seven and you don't have a chance to reload, uh, dude, outdoor dynamics, you cannot beat it. Um, I won't, I won't put my discount code cause Manny has one. So I'll, I'll let him use his, his discount code. Uh, what's your discount code? 
It's Manny, M-A-N-N-Y. Use his discount code. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If anyone doesn't know, um, inside joke is whenever Tom or Christina post about it, I'm like, my code's better. (laughs) Yes, Yes, you son of a bitch. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, John's amazing. He's... um, he helped me a lot this year. Uh, he, he's really, really helped me a lot this year. So I'm going to continue on with him next year. Uh, we already talked about it. So we're going to we're going to have our partnership again next year. I'm definitely going to keep keep using his stuff. Uh, I might end up using some of his stuff for um, match ammo as well. Um, I usually make my own match ammo, but it just depends on schedule. So it's uh, but he has been making all of my class ammo. He makes a discount. He he gives all of my students a discount for the class. Mails it to me or mails it to the range for them so they could they get their ammo. But uh, Stuff just runs really good. He does a great job. So, um, Mark Seven, listen, I don't know what else I can say about those guys. I have I have two Mark Seven presses. I bought my second one this year. Uh, one of those presses has easily five hundred thousand rounds on it before I actually had to get some work done on it. So, they um, they're pretty amazing, man. The, the The safety features on them is why I would pick theirs over anybody else for sure. They have extra spaces for for dies and all these different things. Uh, you just cannot beat their their customer service. They have some great, great people that work there. But uh, just another amazing, amazing, amazing product. So hopefully I didn't forget anybody. I'm, uh, I guess, the Tom um, Caster Shooting Sh- Academy. Yep, yep. Yeah, Tom Caster Shooting Academy. Um, Pro Shot. Oh, Pro Shot, dude. I wish I could have. I wish I'd, I, just, I just don't have the gun with me. But I have a... Um, I, I was using a 2011 for Masterpiece Arms for about three weeks, and I did nothing but... Do I have one with me? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, I found one. Um, zero friction is what it's called. Lubricant, right? Now everybody knows, yeah, gun oil is gun oil. But 5,000 rounds without cleaning and just dumping some of this on there, not a lot, but just enough of that oil kept that gun running a 2011 with 5,000 rounds through it with no cleaning. I would say that lubricant did a pretty good job. <laughs> Cause we all agree. know how 2011s are with, uh, with, uh, lots and lots of dirt and trash in them. But, uh, yeah, man, they're, they're pretty amazing. I've had, um, I've had a pretty good, uh, relationship with them this year and I'm definitely going to carry it on next year. They, they, they definitely sponsor my uh, podcast and they're pretty amazing. Definitely try out their products. Uh, you can't forget uh, brass monkey bullets. They make. See, I got, dude. I got to start writing all these guys down. I got a lot. See, of great it's bad work. enough as I pull up an yes. Instagram post yes. for you, and I'm like, you're you're going too yeah. light on me now. So the, so the brass monkey bullets. Um, that that reminds me. Um, I originally, because I love brass monkey bullets so much, I originally sent John from Outdoor Dynamics my bullets to use, and then he's he is like. All right, yeah, send me them. So I ended up having Jason from Brass Monkey Bullets send them over there. And now, now it looks like he might be using those quite a bit because I'm seeing guys, I'm like, hey, is he using my bullets? Like, I'm seeing people with Brass Monkey Bullets. <laughs> is he using my damn bullets? <laughs> so obviously he's not because he'd be out of them by now. I've seen quite a few students with them. So it's pretty cool. I, I hope they... Uh, I hope they work something out because I was like, man, they're, listen, you would love those. The, both of those guys are all about customer service. They're pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't um, forget um, Ray, Ray Zero Sports. Oh, man, I'm sucking tonight, dude. I should have just had you put up all my stuff for me. Like, I'm terrible at this. So Zero Sports, yeah, all my jerseys. Um, actually, I was hoping to have it before tonight, but um, he just sent it to me. I just had him made me some new jerseys for uh, for my classes with hoods 
because the sun has been brutal this year. So I want to try to get some more uh, like jerseys with hoods on them. So he's going to make me some of those. Or they're already on their way now. So it's I was because hoping to have so I could show them off. It's because you don't believe in wearing a hat, sir. I wear a hat. I absolutely wear a hat. I just don't like uh, wearing sunblock. So <laughs> mm, this is true. I hate wearing sunblock. Yeah, when I first started, I I used to hate wearing a hat. I was always wear a, a headband, and then I realized like I was blinded like constantly. So I just started. Wearing especially, a hat. Well, especially since you were a lot bigger than two, right? When you no, the headband, that, the videos of you and when you were bigger with the headband, dude. <laughs> no, you're bigger than that. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I've lost a lot of weight, so I'm trying to get back to the diet. It's hard, though. I, I like to eat bad. So. Right. Well, and then, you know, you can't you can't forget the best steal for training, right? Target USA, baby. Target USA. Yeah, and I t actually, I post a lot about him stuff. So, uh, Target USA, uh, listen, I had almost all of... <laughs> I should have taken a picture. He probably would have loved this. I have a non-Target USA steel stand and steel with a bracket that holds it up so it won't fall. It broke. <laughs> oh, you should you should have and made I, a video. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I still have it, so maybe I will. But and I had all of the targets USA, all the other steel that he had that he that he uh you know that I that I have from him and none of it moved an inch. Everything just dude, I'm telling you, it was I had nine students, nine or ten students. So I mean that's almost ten thousand rounds into those steel. Like there's a shit ton of steel and there's a, a lot of rounds into that steel. Like we do a lot of steel drills. Um, mm. So it was like, uh, well, it was obviously not that much, but I've put at least that much in it myself. So <laughs> just myself. Well, and especially the, the, the Rhino knockdown design or variant that you have that screws on yeah. the two by four is yeah. a godsend because it protects yeah. the two by four yeah. and you never have to reset the thing. Yeah. So I don't, I haven't used any of the rhinos. Um, we did a match just recently in Texas that they did and just phenomenal. Not a single, not a single calibration on any of the activator. He had the, the stomp pad, like the pads, like the little, the, the rounded where the, the steel falls on it and, and activates mm -hmm. and, and yet, and pulls like almost like a stomp pad and uh, dude, not a single, single act reactivation or any problems at all. They didn't have a single calibration the entire match and they had a ton of steel at this match. Um, two, two holy monkeys. And it's funny cause Jason's so bad that he's telling everybody that's a holy mic. <laughs> now, now the match director, my buddy, Andy, he goes, Oh yeah, the holy mic. I'm like, dude, it's not called that. Like it's the holy monkey. What the hell are you talking about? The, the monkey's name is Mike. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, man, it's, uh, he's amazing. He, uh, he does a really good job. I, I still don't understand why the shit USPSA doesn't use his stuff. I mean, I know why, but he just makes such a good product. Mm -hmm. so. I do enjoy his product. I love, I love practicing with mine and it definitely saves time. That's oh, sure. man, the, not, not having to pick up steel is amazing. It, it really is. Well, just throwing it into a bucket is quite nice too. Just like yeah. fit. All right. So I, do I have any other sponsors? No, I think you, I, I uh, gave them to you all now. Okay. Hold on. I got one thing I want to promote if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, the 2024 South Carolina sectional match guys. This match is going to be different than last year, and last year was fire. So last last year, Todd Holmes from South Carolina gave me the opportunity to take over the sponsorship area, or I guess start one since there really wasn't one before. So this year, this last year, I decided to do a big um, Tom Castro Shooting Academy vendors row. It's coming back for uh, another session. I guess I did not have enough punishment from last year, so I'm gonna do it again this year. And this year we're gonna add something to it. So 
you know, I'm, I, I really feel like we don't do enough to bring the camaraderie back from shooting since COVID happened. And it really upsets me. We don't do award ceremonies anymore. I mean, we do for nationals, but you know, all these other matches, we just kind of like everybody goes their own way. We never really get to see each other. I mean, there are so many people I know in the sport I haven't seen in so long because we never shoot the same schedules anymore. So this year I am going to do a shoot off every session. So we have a Friday session, so which is staff. So we're going to do a shoot off on Friday. And there's going to be a 5 or $10 buy-in. I haven't figured out how we're going to do it. But then the winner wins 50% of the pot. So if it's 200 bucks, they get 100 bucks. Then we're going to do a 50% what's left over to a random drawing. And then the rest of it goes back to the match so we can do something for the, for the staff or to pay for things for the match so we can do better things. We are going to do a Saturday AM, which so when they're done on the AM, they can come over. They're going to come over and they're going to shoot the shoot off against each other. Then there's going to be a Saturday PM, then a Sunday AM. So the, what? how we're going to do it since it's a half day match is it's only that session. You're not going to go and you're not going to have like a grand champion or anything unless we get interest in it for next year. But if I decide to do it, I shouldn't have said that out loud in front of Todd. Shit. Um, so what we're going to do is they're going to each have their own little champions, and they'll all get a chance to win cash for that for that scenario. So I'm super excited about it. Um, the other thing we're going to do, so we save a ton of work, is we're going to do standing steel for every piece of steel except for the last two. So they'll have to call their shots, and that's something that most people aren't good at. I love it. I'm excited because <laughs> that's something I do in my class. I don't ever put the steel. I don't. None of the steel falls over, and people have no idea if they hit it or not. It's pretty awesome, <laughs> which is good. It means you got to actually know how to call your shots. Mm -hmm. So something different for sure. But that's gonna be exciting. That'll be something cool for the people to do. Um, and the vendor row is cool to see. So I know you're gonna blow it up. You probably stole three bays from Todd already. No, but it's going to be bigger this year. I've um, I've already got some new vendors that I didn't have last year. I've got some of the old vendors back. Um, I'm excited. So I, I plan on doing more with the trophies. I want to no more plaques. I, I'm I'm going to try my best to stick to this budget that I have that Todd gave me. But somehow I got talked into a whole lot of extra work this year. I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But um, with that guy, <laughs> but I'm going to do trophies this year. Um, I want to go. I'm probably going to have Brian from Make Stuff Better. Um, he's awesome. Love that guy. Um, but I just I'm definitely trying to get away from the plaque this year. I want to do something different. Um, and I'd really love Brian to do my trophies just because I really love what he does. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a good year, man. I'm excited. So we're going to have 10 stages this year and uh, staff reset. Who knows how long that's going to last? It's um, staff resets getting tough, guys. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about it, I'm, I'm looking at matches registration. Match is already half full, if not three quarters full. Yeah, baby. Oh, something else we did different this year is, um, and I, I don't know how many people are going to hear this, but I would love for you Super Squad guys to get together and uh, give me a shout. Um, I'm not offering you a free slot, but I'm offering you a spot to where we can get you guys all together. Um, I saved a couple squads for the week just for that. And if we don't get enough interest, then we're just going to open it up to everybody, obviously. But um, um, I want to try to put – I want that atmosphere like we're at Nationals. Um, I feel like our match is very comparable to Nationals. We just don't have 21 stages. <laughs> yet. yet. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, we talk. Yeah, yeah, we're working on that. 
<laughs> Dude, if there's a if this effing sectional becomes 21 days, I'm definitely never coming back. <laughs> if it comes three days, I'm out. And the 21 stages, I don't know. I'm out. Shit, so, Todd's uh, just gonna find you a camper and you're gonna live in his backyard. <laughs> we're already renting an Airbnb to get closer. Uh because you know it's dude, a lot of people don't know about what it takes to run a match and let me tell you something we're there from sun up or no before sun up and after sundown it's uh we're, we're the first of the last ones there todd and i so mm -hmm. we stay together and uh dude it's it's us neck and neck on the uh you know we're we're neck and neck on the uh, together we never leave each other's side on that job like there's just so much there i honestly don't know how i i, I can't believe how much he did before i came upon along Right, because I I tried like last year he hurt his arm. I don't know how he would have done it. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't. I, I mean he's got a great crew there. Those guys are amazing. But I know how much I did. <laughs> I know how much I helped. Um, and I I was like, man, you're amazing, Todd. Like, dude, the amount of pressure that you have on yourself to get this done is unreal. And that guy takes next level, next level, to make it better. Right, every year, every year he's doing something to make it better. It's he's just really really good. Mm -hmm. So, all right, enough about Todd. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> now, if anyone cares, Todd was a couple episodes ago. So go if you yeah. haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to Todd. He talks about the section match. He talks about how he got into it. So it's a really good actual episode. So Yeah, I did. I liked it. It was really, really good. I listened to it. It was good. Well, there you go. But um, but Tom, brother, brother, I appreciate you talking to me and hanging out and uh getting me out of a jam by recording this one. So I appreciate it, brother. Anytime, man. I enjoyed it. I love talking about shooting. You know that. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, so listeners, until next time, get out and do the things. I'll see you on the next one. See ya.